Welcome to the Purposeful Parenting Podcast. I'm Harriet Rowe, wife and mother of four adult children, three girls and one boy, all graduates of the United States Military Academy at West Point. Grab a cup of tea or coffee, get cozy, and take in your weekly dose of Purposeful Parenting. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Purposeful Parenting. Last week, we talked about love, love being the first brick in establishing a strong family foundation. And we talked about not just any love, not just love as man sees it, but God's love, the love that God shows us, the love that he has given us and demonstrated to us by sending his son, Jesus Christ. Next brick we'll add will be communication. Now, why is family communication so important? Well, first of all, it helps create and maintain an effective emotional home environment. And it encourages the family members to be able to express their emotions, their feelings, and to do it in a healthy way. Think about it. Most conflicts and problems that arise between family members are usually caused by miscommunication or a lack of communicating at all. Families that establish healthy emotional communication can easily or a lot easier resolve conflicts, and their relationships are a lot stronger. As family members feel supported and understood because of good communication skills. Now, there are basically three uh, types of communication styles. Now, we know that when you communicate their verbal communications and their nonverbal communications, and there are different clues that one can get based on facial expression or just silence. But when you stop to think about styles, there are three different styles, assertive, passive, and aggressive. And I bet I can guess that you know which one of these is the one that you should aim for. And it's the first one, assertive style. Psychologist by the name of Carlos J. Vander Hofstadt and an economist, Jose Maria Gomez, states that those who communicate with this assertive style are able to express their feelings, ideas, and opinions while at the same time, defending their rights and respecting the rights of others. In other words, an assertive person expresses themselves properly without attacking anybody. They are seeking negotiation, not seeking to be right. But by the same token, they are not going to be a doormat. Now, passive style, as you might 
imagine, according to these two people, the person who care is the person who cares about satisfying others. In other words, the passive person will um, or won't defend their own rights if they have to de- neglect other people's rights in order to do so. You can probably consider this passive style sort of like being a doormat, just going to lie down and accept whatever is thrown out to them. Their goal is to avoid potential conflicts. Consequently, these passive people often don't get what they want, which causes them a lot of frustration, a lot of insecurity, and even repressed anger. And then last is the aggressive style. And once again, you can probably imagine what this is. This is the opposite side of the passive style. People with an aggressive communication style don't respect the feelings or the rights of others or the interests of others for that matter. This means that they only care about defending their rights no matter what. And they have a hard time changing their minds and seeing other people's points of view. Oh, as you might well imagine, it's important to learn the assertive style of communicating. And it's important to teach your child how to be an assertive communicator. As you might well imagine, there are a lot of rules to learning and teaching one how to communicate. For instance, having your children talk to you often or showing interest in families and not letting one child or one person hog the conversation, having them all sit around perhaps at the table to talk and to share what they have been thinking and going through. So there are a lot of things that we know about teaching our children how to communicate. So yes, there are a lot of rules on communication. But where is the place that you can go to get strategies that work? Well, personally, I turn to the Bible. When you stop to think about it, there is absolutely nothing under the sun that you can't find help for in the Bible. So whether you are a Christian or not, the Bible has some great wisdom on communication. What I want to do is cover a few verses to give you an idea of how these verses can help you in communicating and helping your child to become an assertive communicator and laying that second brick to establish a strong family foundation. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The Bible warns us that what we say and how we say it is important to God. And this goes for building that strong family 
foundation. God wants you to have a strong family and he gives you ways to communicate with each other within the family. As I mentioned earlier, any problem, whether it's big or small, that happens within a family seems to start with bad communication or someone isn't listening. Proverbs thirteen seventeen says, an unreliable messenger stumbles into trouble, but a reliable messenger brings healing. Now, an unreliable messenger then would be someone who is not telling you the truth. So that says that you want to teach your child the importance of speaking truth when they're communicating. An unreliable messenger stumbles into trouble, but a reliable or truthful messenger brings healing. James 1.19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Again, that's James 1.19. Now, the key ingredient in family communication is listening, really listening. Now, how many of us are guilty of saying to our children, I know I did this, and I tend to do it even now sometimes, saying, I don't want to hear it. Just stop. I don't want to hear anymore. Well, remember, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Angry. Now, Proverbs 18.13 says, Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Once again, I don't know about you, but there have been times when things have been going on and I have started saying things about what I think happened and I'm just spouting off without listening to the facts. So we want to make sure, parents, that we listen to the facts so that we're not shameful or foolish. Now, let me say this also. There are going to be times when we will probably do things like that. But the important thing to do is to seek out your child or seek out your spouse or seek out your sister, whoever it was, seek them out and let them know that you were wrong to apologize because spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. And if you demonstrate to your child how you have made a mistake and that you should have listened and you shouldn't have said some of those things, then that child will be learning from you. Remember, we've said more than once that you are teaching your child by modeling the behavior and they will always pick up on that. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your conversation be gracious 
and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. God's response works in communicating if you work at it. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. And the right response means that you have listened and that you have taken your time in responding. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. And once again, there will be a time, because we're human, we're going to say things that we didn't mean to say. But the more you catch yourself at doing these things, and the more you let your child know and understand that you were wrong, and when you catch your child doing the same thing, gently guide them to the way they should have responded. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight, The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Once again, that's thinking and before you say anything and speaking what God would have you say. 1 Corinthians 14, 9 says, If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. Now, there were some things that Paul was getting at, but as I read this regarding children, imagine sometimes how we can sit around telling them what we want them to do, and we're saying it in such a way that it is not on their level. They don't understand it. We have to remember that we have to speak to our children in words that they don't understand, that they can understand. And how will they know if we don't? So you might as well be talking into an empty space if your child doesn't understand you. Now, if you read further into that passage, you will see that Paul was speaking to the Christians about some spiritual gifts. But when I think in terms of children, I can see how it definitely relates to that. James 3.2 says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Remember, we're not perfect. No one is perfect. We all make mistakes. So it's important to apologize and to ask for forgiveness. Remember, God forgives us. He has given us a way to come to him and ask for forgiveness. And we need to do the same thing for our children. And once again, when they see that that's what we're doing, guess what? They will start to pick up on the same thing. Remember, we are trying to teach 
our children how to be assertive communicators. Then there's 1 Corinthians 13.1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So here we see that we can speak and we can do and say the right things. But if we don't have that first ingredient that we laid down for that firm foundation, which is love, then we're only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And that's 1 Corinthians 13.1. Through these verses, I hope you can really see the importance of communication and doing it God's way and how you can apply them to your life and your family's life. Virginia Satir said, it is now clear to me that the family is a microcosm of the world. To understand the world, we can study the family. Issues such as power, intimacy, autonomy, trust, and communication skills are vital parts underlying how we live in the world. To change the world is to change the family. So parents, we have an awesome responsibility to build a strong family foundation, to change the world for the better, to change it the way God wants it to go. He has given us the blueprint, his word written in the Bible. It tells you how to build a strong family foundation, and it tells you how to parent on purpose. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Purposeful Parenting. For more tips on parenting, or if you would like to reach out, please visit me on HarrietRow.com and follow me on Facebook, Harriet Rowe. That's Harriet with two T's. I look forward to grabbing a cup of tea or coffee with you next week. Feel free to invite a friend. Until then... This is Harriet Rowe reminding you to parent on purpose.